Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. To tell you the honest truth, I thought, well... We're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left. Another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that would help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Glenn again, and uh, many of you would have listened to last episode and realized that that was probably a bit too much for one episode. So, we've got Glenn on again uh, to continue his story. Glenn, welcome to the show. Thanks, Cade. It's it's great to have you back, mate. Yep, thank you. So, just um, you want me to continue on where I was last time, basically? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, last time um, you are on the show, we kind of left it at a, a little bit of a cliffhanger with you leading into the possession part of your experiences. And um, I guess what we'll do is we'll just continue from that point, if you don't mind. Yeah, no worries. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, so, what happened was um, we are in the middle of the activity. Um, Luca was moving roughly in nine-day cycles. Um, we're not talking about minor moves. We're talking about pretty severe moves. Um, he turned his head almost um, 90 degrees and often looked towards where my wife would sit. Uh, the fly infestation just increased. It was um, absolutely crazy in the house with flies. We just couldn't get rid of them. Um, the only time I, I, we could have a break from was at night time and we could um, spray them. And we'd normally kill them and by the morning they'd be back again regardless. Uh, we other stuff that was going on. Um, we we had our bed was shake. It still which still happens from time to time. Um, smell pipe smoke, knocking in the middle of the night, which I got a video on YouTube showing that. We'd come open the kitchen, um, get up in the morning, all the kitchen doors would be open. The back door started bursting open in the middle of the night. The thing would just fly open. Um, often we were waking sometimes in the middle of the night. It was locked and it would just burst open. Really? We had um, cu- yeah, yeah, as 
we, we had had it locked. It was always locked, and the thing would just fly open with a loud bang, it, like quite a bit of force. Did that ever make it you think just, that there was people in the house? No, because the way the house was, and because we had dogs, um, it was near impossible for someone to get in there. It, we, we would have been alerted by the dogs um, straight away if anyone got into the house. Um, and the door was opening. We worked out it was, it was more or less, yeah, I, I don't know, opening from the inside, that's what we sort of worked out. We came to the conclusion after, because we just kept locking it, and just, just out of the blue, it just burst open again. And when, when the door is locked like that, you can only open it from one side unless there's a key. Yeah, that's right. It, it's, there was no way. And there was a screen door open um, to open too, so you could hear that screen door if it opened. That screen door never opened, but the door, the lock door would just fly open with a, with a loud bang. It was quite quite common in there. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing we had was um, we had this wind. It still happens here every now and then, actually. We're in a different house, but um, it'd be the middle of the night. You'd be trying to sleep, and, uh, ha- um, and it would just rip through the room, absolutely rip through like a mini tornado. And you'd hear stuff go flying everywhere, bashing and banging, and you think the room would be trashed, and you'd get up in the morning and nothing would be touched. And, um, and that was on top of um, when this uh, other entity, used, whatever thing, used to come around and have the sleep paralysis. Um, first sign that was around the room would go ice cold, so it would be sweltering in summer and then would be absolutely freezing when this thing came around in the room. It was ice cold just before the sleep paralysis. Um, that, I'm just trying to think of the other stuff that happened. We had so much stuff. We had the children's voices. Um, often we'd get ta- touched, like tapping kids wake up, you know, to wake us up. I've been woken up a few times by something waking me up, literally, um, and stuff like that. Not all of it was bad. I've had instances um, in the car and actually at home where the clock radio would turn on and play your favourite song and turn off again and stuff like that. So there was definitely something friendly amongst all this um, at, at this stage as well. Because one of the things that we spoke about, and this was before we went on the air, is that you you got a, a an investigation team around to, I guess, look at Luca, this this possessed doll. And yes. it was asked how many people or how many um, spirits are possessing you. And Yeah, yeah. Prese- yep. And you said the answer was quite high. Yeah, um, I've got the video on YouTube. You can see the response. He says, um, um, it was the, the first uh, investigation team came around. They came in not too high tech, just with spirit boxes. Um, we got a lot of swearing and abuse out of one of the rooms. There was a cupboard in my son's room where you see some red eyes and the cupboard door would always open, which, yeah, it's still happening here. We've got a cupboard, sliding cupboard doors open. Um, and it was, you can hear the swearing. It's, it's going F you, going off. You know, um, that's in one of the videos. But with Luca, he asked, um, the EM, you got it, we're there, that we turned all the power off to the house. The EMF meter is going off absolutely maximum with Luca. It's just fluctuating, absolutely crazy. Um, and then um, he asked, he said, he was talking to Luca. Um, he was, and the first thing I heard when he turned the box on, he was asking, is there anyone here? Um, but you can't hear it in the video. You hear me react to it. And the spirit box says he wants to talk to us. Us, plural. And then they asked Luca, they said, how many spirits are here? And he answered, 600,000. And 
the response came more or less straight away when he asked. Uh, the video's on YouTube. Um, and you can hear it quite clearly. Um, but Luke and the, the investigator says, I think you're pulling my leg. I don't think there's that many. And I think he answers with another number after that. Well, I think like 36 or something. I don't remember because I um, it's that that part's a little bit harder to hear. And I think the I think the 36 might be a little bit believable because I mean, when it comes to this type of stuff, it's it's it wouldn't surprise me that they lie, that they they try to deceive you because I mean, this is it's all a game. Do you think that the the 36 spirits is a little bit closer to to the correct answer? Because are you experiencing? that many different types of events within this house? Um, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm still at a loss about this. Um, it, it, I think it's close to the 36. I, I just I just don't know. Um, I can't make sense of it. Just when I think I've got to work out, something else changes. Um, the only thing I'm really sure about is with Luca. Luca was either already possessed when we got him because when we, when we got him... Um, off the old man, his wife died, she was saying him. His adult children didn't want him and he was willing to practically give a, give us this, um, give us Luca, who cost him over $1,200 for free. He only wanted $70. He was going to give, give Luca to us for free, but we said, here, take the money. Um, but either that or he became possessed here, I just don't know. I really don't know on that respect, but all I'm sure is Luca is separate to what's going on. He's he's totally separate to everything else. And another thing is he, yeah, a jester. Um, when he's talking about the six hundred thousand spirits, he's basically a clown. So he he's joking around. Um, I, I just think that's that's just his personality. So you believe that your house is haunted, and and Luke is just there, and he is potentially increasing the activity in there. I don't think he's increasing the activity. I think he's watching over everything. I think he's... Because um, what happened was when he started turning his head, head, he started to turn where my wife... and look at where my wife used to sit constantly. His attention was focused on her. And is there a reason for that? Well, yeah, she was starting to become possessed, basically. Your wife was? Yes. What do you think was possessing her? Well, whatever the bad thing was in the house, um, I, I, there, there's definitely something bad. There's something bad. It's still here. I've recorded its voice. Um, I've got it in another video. I've actually got got its voice on on tape. It's it's still here. It's um, so are the rest of them. They're just semi dormant at the moment. So, how did you start to realise that your wife was becoming possessed? Because it sounds like it may have been a, a very gradual thing. So, do you think your your wife was fighting this possession for for quite a while, or do you think this is something that just kind of happened overnight? No, no. The way it goes is, um, it it thing. The person, the, the person will seem quite normal, um, quite normal. It's inside the head. The person goes. You don't their thoughts and all the rest of it. And then you gradually see other signs very gradually. Then all of a sudden, um, the way it happened for us, it's bang. It, the change is, it's complete, just gone. The, the, other, the old person is gone and the, the, the new thing possessing is there. But you still get traits of the old person coming through from time to time until they get the strength to fight it. 
So is that something that you you might want to go through and, and tell us a little bit more, I guess, uh, the possession of your wife? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, okay, do you want me to um, go back to the story about when I had these people in and, yeah, when I made this mistake? Yeah. It's sort of irrelevant, yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay, we had um, we had this ghost team in. They'd done the spirit box. They got results and all the rest, and they said they'll come back. They never did. So I got another team in. They went in high-tech, absolutely high-tech, cameras everywhere and um, the whole works. Um, things were getting quite, were quite there at first. And so, so I said to them, um, I said to them, do you want me to? See if I can get this thing to react, and they said, "Yep, go for it." So we went in with um, one bloke who had a camera, another one had a recorder, and I think it was about four of us went into the house. And I've so I said, "Do you want me to do this?" And they said, "Yep, do it." So I basically I swore at it. I told it, told it, "You'll never take me," because um, with everything that's been going on, going on in the past, like me and these mystery illnesses and all the rest, it looked like it wanted me. Um, anyway, I told him, I said, I, I told him, I said, I'm strong. You wouldn't ever get me because, um, with possession, as far as I know, you have to somehow give this thing permission to get into you subconsciously, consciously, whatever. So I swore at it and I told it, it was weak. I said, it'll never have me and all the rest. So it done the next best thing. It took my wife. That's how. Do you think you're responsible for that? Um, well, looking, looking back, I think it already had started with her, uh, slowly. There was, um, looking back, um, some things we found later, it was already slowly, gradually, very gradually started. But because I'd done that, I think it was hell bent then of, um, finishing the job on her. Yeah. Did you ever see signs that other family members in that house were maybe being affected by it? Um, yeah, massive mood swings, irrational behaviour, sure. It, um, it, it wore us down, the whole family. We were worn down financially, family-wise, everything. But having said that, we weren't at each other's throats or anything like that, but there's just be really strange instances here and there, then it, things will go quiet and back to normal again. That's why the haunting was going on. I forgot to add, when I, um, when I had a go at this thing. Um, the cameraman was grabbed by the scruff of the neck and held up and he en- ended up panicking and running out of the house because it had him. Um, uh, yeah, so... It, it, yeah, I, I don't know 100% sure if I was responsible for it or not, but I definitely didn't help things by doing it. You know, but having said that, yeah, by standing up to it, it definitely didn't take me, but I didn't think at the time it was going to take someone else. So... What was the the outcome from that investigation? Because it's it sounds like that the the like you said the investigators they almost wanted no part of this after this happened. Yeah, well, after the investigation, things ramped up. They heard the little kids' voices. After I'd done that, things ramped up. They heard the little kids' voices. Um, they were chase basically chasing these apparitions and hands the cold spots. It, it started really started to, things heat up after I'd done that. Um, after they left, well, packing up, they had people pulling on their camera cords, um, you know, touching them and just harassing everyone who was there. And I had several of the people that were there. They said to me, they said, we, oh, I said, that's the best house that we've ever been to. I want to come back here and do it again. We've never had so much activity before. 
And then after that, um, the that group disappeared, and basically I never heard from them again. They were supposed to give me a report and everything. I never heard from them ever again, except for the fellow that was grabbed. He he was talking to me on Facebook one day. And I think I sent you a screenshot of that. So have you? Did you ever have investigators come back? I after she went after my wife went missing. I had one lot there. They didn't really find anything other than the room. We had a room which, um, if you put a camera on, you know you see the orbs floating around? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the difference was I've caught this in the past, but it's, I've lost the video of it because Luca's just, Luca, I think it is, destroyed my computers and, you know, and all the rest. Um, they, there's one room we'd put a camera on and instead of having orbs floating around, there'd be hundreds of them and they'd be just swirling like a little mini tornado in this one room. So we'd, this is the room we used to hear the kids' voices come from the most and the kids singing the nursery rhymes. Anyway, we um, blocked all the windows up, every, checked for everything for air source and all the rest and stuck a camera in again and sure as hell, yep, it was just swirling. It just hundreds of orbs swirling in this one room everywhere. There are no fans on, no aircon, you know. It's, it was absolutely crazy in this one room for some reason. And do you ever take that as a bad sign or anything like that? Um, I, I don't know. I've had, it, it, I don't know if it ties in what tools um, that some of the investigators have told me that there's a vortex in it, um, vortex portal in the house, I reckon. They reckon that they'll come through there. It, it's the using, um, using the house that's come in and out of the house. That's why we've got so you know, these weird spirits and we can't keep track of them. But I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm a sceptical believer. So, yeah, I, I don't really get into that side of things. So, you said that your your wife went missing. Did she go missing because of her her possession? Yes, pretty much. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. You know, um, after, after a while... She started showing external signs, and this this was very gradual, right? Um, she was always hot, no matter what, always hot. You could she could never ever cool down, ever. Um, and then she just basically stopped sleeping up all night, wouldn't sleep. Um, and then after a while, she started with uh, really blank stares. Out, they were just motionless blank stares. The kids used to tell me how creepy they used to the stairs she used to give I've I seen it myself a couple of times but while this was going on with you know the normal person still there out sort of comes in this other thing cuts in and it's it's back and forwards but majority of her she was still there at this time and then um yeah sort of it, it just gradually went on then one day uh, it was the 13th of January 2016. Um, after all this, I've sort, I think I've, yeah, it's probably a lot more I should be, I've skipped, but um, the flies vanished after, yeah, going on just over a year, every day of fly swarming the house, they just disappeared out of the blue, gone. Um, and three days later, then she disappeared. And, yeah, when I found her, she was a totally different person after. Yeah, what happened after that? How long was she gone for? Uh, just under six months. 
Oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So leading up to this, I had, um, for years, I had dreams about her being raped and stuff. And I used to get up in the morning, I'd be, wouldn't be talking. She goes, what do you say? What's wrong, Jan? I couldn't tell her. Well, these dreams that used to come about her being raped and stuff. And yeah, it's, it was pretty hard, but yeah, she was gone for six months. And in that six months, she was, um, basically, uh, uh, yeah, um, someone she knew when she was younger lured her away and he was um, just a piece piece of dirt really is lower than dirt and he basically drugged, drugged her, raped her um, tortured her and yeah and then, then they tried, tried to kill her when, when she left that's sorry. terrible I'm so sorry all of that happened yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's all on Ridge. Um, he threatened to, to kill. He he just didn't want her. He wanted my daughters as well. Um, especially my youngest, and he threatened to rape them, cut their throats in front of her, and all the rest. And he sent three lots of people um up to to carry those threats out. Once at when I was at the hospital, and when twice up um, up up in the house here, and um, yeah, down the hospital. And your so gonna, possessed wife was with this gentleman the entire time. Most of the time, until um, until basically um, beat her so badly that sort of brought her old self started coming out. Um, in a in in the Started coming back slowly. When when she went missing, um, we didn't even know where she was. She was just gone, no note, nothing. Um, yeah, she she done some really sort of terrible stuff. Um, you know, she was in control of all the finances. We were basically going to be homeless. Um, we had no money. We had nothing. Um, the day she left, the death threat started coming in. Um, started just saying uh, stuff that just just never happened. My kids went into bat for me there and and all the rest. It was um, it was so so bizarre. She was um, totally the opposite person um, that that she always had been. I've been with her for twenty five years by this stage. So I knew her pretty well. Um, yeah, the day she left, I, I said to the kids, I said she's going to be dead within six months. And that basically came true, basically, almost. Um, How are you feeling at yeah. this time? Because, I mean, 25 years to and to lose your partner because they've be, they've become possessed and they've they've gone with the the most terrible people that anyone could imagine. I, I, yeah, I yeah. can only imagine it, how you would have feel, felt at that time. Well, yeah. Oh. It was a bit hard later on, especially what we discovered. Um, me and my son were supposed to be murdered on the 9th of December. There was all arranged, set up. Um, with this, yeah, yeah, it was all arranged and set up. That's all I can go go into about that. Um, finding that out a bit later, and all the all the rest of the stuff. It, it was just absolutely devastating. Um, but you just you. I knew there was more to the story. It wasn't straightforward because 
it it just wasn't her. It just there was nothing. It was just not her at all. And my children. The strange thing is when when she disappeared, there was a really strange peace and calm in the house after all this activity. It was really strange. So you think whatever was evil or I guess the the, the negativity of that house. Do you think that potentially attached itself to her? Oh, it was inside of her, big time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was controlling her. So, at what point did you realise that your wife was possessed? It wasn't until she disappeared. Um, disappeared, then we started getting the strange messages, and then she saw the messages and all this. Um, and personality, and we've seen the extent of the personality change, but it wasn't until um, I found her six months later when she started coming back to herself that I realised how bad it really was. What do you say to people who think a, a possession might be something that's all within a person's head? Mental illness, yeah, something I've run through my head so many times. Um, yeah, there's a fine line between it. But the, 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 it, it can't explain the activity that went on. Um, doctors have found no cause for what happened to her. They can't find nothing. They know something happened to her, but there's no cause. Um, she doesn't have any memories of that six months. She knows she went to hospital. She doesn't know why. She has no um, memory for six months. Nope. What happened to her? No memories. Oh, wow. She knows because she's got scars on her neck. Yeah, when I get to that part of the story. <laughs> um, she has no memories, right? Another thing that you look for is the incredible strength. I mean, when someone's like this, the strength is unbelievable. It, it, what, what I've seen her do, which I'll get into the last, um, in the rest of the story. Um, and another thing is... Um, when yeah, there's a priest that walked in, walked into the hospital room one day, um, when and he didn't do nothing wrong. He was just in there talking, and we're looking out the window, looking admiring the view, looking back towards Sydney Harbour and all the rest. We're in Concord, we were pretty high up in the building, and and I could she was um, had just one of those colouring books. She couldn't sort of do much at that stage, and the look on her face and she's getting more and more aggravated because this priest was in the room and I'm going, oh God, what am I going to do here? Because I, I, after seeing what I've seen and her strength, I thought she's going to lose her shit and it's going to get ugly in here real quick. So what? Was, how strong did she become after becoming possessed? Oh, oh let's tell you the rest of the story for you to, for that part. Um, do you want me to jump ahead and tell you about that, or just continue with the no, story? No, well, let's let's continue because I don't want to I don't want to take away from um, I guess the situation. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So she she disappeared. Um, she basically disappeared, and we didn't know where she was for a while until we tracked her down. Then we started getting the death threats and all the rest. Um, there's a lot of the, the, what happened in between, there's so much detail um, I can go into. That story in itself without the paranormal stuff would interest a lot of people about how we tracked her down and um, all, the, all the rest of it and what I'd, what I'd done, to, done to keep her safe. And as, at the same time, I had to um, 
we had to destroy her, basically. We absolutely had to destroy her, and that's what me and my son set out in the zoo, and we achieved it because we had to make her hit rock bottom. That's the only way to bring them back. And do you think that's a... Do you think that just makes them realise where home is when there's nothing le- nothing else left? Yeah, and we also had to do do that to protect um, to pre- protect my daughter from from her own mother as well and my other daughter. We had no choice, so we had to do what we had to do. Um, but if you can, if you by by doing what we did, it was it was enough to get things started basically for her to come back um, and all, all the rest of it. Yeah. So did you feel throughout the six months that the things that you were doing, you could you feel that you were starting to have little wins? Um, yeah. We, we basically, we got, he threatened to kill us and my son and my daughters and all the rest threat after threat. He bragged to me, oh, this is this is a relevant little point. He bragged to me about um, being best buddies with that um, fellow who put the girl in the suitcase, the, the three-year-old, and those are the mother. Um, he bragged to me that was his cellmate and his best mate, and that's a, and he, he was going to he, see how that ties in. I'll explain how that ties in later. Um, basically, and he, he threatened us and all the rest, so... Me and my son, we um, my son's an adult. We we sat there and we took this, and then we turned it around on them. We made them scared of us, basically. I got inside of his head. I had him believe I was following him. Had him believe I was outside of his house, constantly watching him and waiting for him. And he panicked, basically. Um, and then we started having wins there. With, with that sort of stuff, it's yeah. I'd, I'd only wish I could go right into detail about some of the stuff we done um, done there. But um, yeah. Anyway, um, eventually, eventually, you know, we had the death threats and all the rest of it, and strange messages constantly. I knew it was her because I'd ask her stuff only she would know, and it went wasn't easy questions at all. They were not even average questions. They were very, very hard questions to answer if you didn't know something personally yourself. And, yes, so it was a a cat and mouse game. We had to make him believe that we didn't want nothing to offer. We didn't want to. Because if if he had any inkling that we wanted to back and or trying to protect her, he would have um, tried harder to keep her, basically. So after after six months, what was the the point where she? Well, I don't know. Did she decide to come home, or was there an event that happened that led you to her? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Well, what happened was we we basically gave up hope there for a while. We just gave up. My my daughters used to. You know, people ask about the mother. Um, my daughter used to say she was dead, basically. Tell people she was dead, she died, if anyone asked about her. Um, one day, we're, we're putting up all, all of this stuff where the death threats coming left, right and centre. Um, and 
just really weird stuff was still going on in the house. We still had activity in the house as well, but it wasn't as frequent or as um, full on as it was. And out of the, after six months, we just gave up. We just gave up with no help. You know, there's no manual on, on this sort of thing. The doctors don't even know what's bloody, what happened. We, there's just nowhere to turn to go, hey, this is happening. What, what do we do? What do we expect? There's nothing. So she called, um, called us after six months and I just wouldn't talk to her. And I just went, no, nah, we don't have nothing to do with it. And after a while, I started to see it was her. She was, it, it was more her than this other thing coming back. So me and my son, we thought it was a setup to try and kill us again. So we went, travelled down to New South Wales to see her. And we've seen her and she was just absolutely thrilled to see us both. But she was still half and half. And I asked her, I said, what happened? I said, what? I said, what happened? And she said, I can't remember. I said, you don't remember going down or getting down there? She says, no, I don't remember any of it. And I asked her all these questions and she just kept saying, I don't remember it. I don't remember any of it. And I said to her, I said, well, when, what point did you start to remember? And she said, when he got me and absolutely beat me. Um, in one of the beatings, he, he had already, um, I was sitting in the lounge room in, in this period of time one, one night and I said, I just had this overwhelming feeling, um, something bad happened. And I said to the kids, I think your mum's dead. We later found out he, um, actually choked her, um, till she stopped breathing and needed to be revived. And yeah, I'm leaving out the parts about the knife to the throat and all the rest of it. You know, there's there's so much more I could be telling you about this this guy and what he done done to her. Anyway, um, we went down there, and me and my son stayed there because we, we weren't sure if we we're being set up to be murdered again or not. So I ended up staying with her at the mother's place, and she and I was sleeping by her side you know, in the bed separate by her side and she'd just be up all night. She wouldn't sleep, still wouldn't sleep and she'd just be up all night. Just, um, I can't describe it. We'd look on her face fidgeting constantly. So we decided to bring her, bring her back to Queensland and see my daughter and my daughter was not happy to see her at all after, you know, mother basically just finished in the middle of the night. Was your so, daughter aware of the, um, I guess, the, the paranormal situation that was going on with her? Yeah, we 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 all suspected it. We all suspected it. We even to this day we talk to her about you know you know you're possessed and you know and all the rest. We still talk, and she just says I don't really remember it, any of it. Yeah, even to this day. Even to this day, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. She she doesn't remember it and she doesn't remember her mother she doesn't remember siblings fam, fam that family none of those people good friends of ours never knew my 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 our good friends were absolutely shocked when i told them what happened they could not believe it they thought we were pull, you know just pulling their leg about her disappearing it wasn't until they spoke to my youngest daughter because they all all know and love her that they just they really hit home about what had happened and why she was missing and in the, in that, you know, yeah, it's it was just a shock to everyone, absolute shock, because it was such a different person. Um, she would never associate with people like this or 
going near him and didn't particularly, you know, avoided them. So how's your wife now? Because have you have you got a priest over? Have you done an exorcism or anything like that on your wife? No, I've done nothing like that. Nothing at all. She's pretty much back to normal. Um, there are some differences, but pretty much back to normal. Do you but, feel um, that she's yeah, that, still possessed? Um, yeah, million dollar question. Is it lying there dormant or is it gone? I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I have no idea because we've still got activity in house. We've still got the bad thing. Lucas um, moved last Thursday. First time in two and a half years. I, I just don't know. And do you think that's because you've had... A conversation about him? Oh, Luca. Um, oh, yeah that that was a that was a weird. Day that, um, I'll tell you what happened the night the night before. I had this weird dream, and I was telling my wife and my daughter in the car, and we were just laughing about it. About I dreamt that Luca came. Um, we we went for a drive, and we had Luca with us for some weird reason. And I went in and stuck into see my son, and as I was ducking, my wife screamed out, "Can I?" Get back to the car, quick, quick! I get back and Luca was alive, and <laughs> we were all laughing about this. And I, I looked, I, I said to Luca, I said, "Why don't you move anymore?" He says, uh, "He said I'm just shy." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, I know." It, it, and then he went still again. I'm like, "Luca, are you still alive?" He said, "Yeah, I'm alive. I'm still here. I always have been." I said, "Are you going to move on camera one day?" He said, "Yeah, I'm going to do it for you." He said, "I'm going to start moving from now on." And we were just pissed ourselves laughing in the car. We thought, you know, great joke. And later on that day, we went out, and I'm driving in a different car. And I'm we're, I had my wife in the car, and we're just driving back from Brisbane. And I'm talking about going back to New South Wales. And as soon as I said that, the stereo stitches to navigation. And my music dropped out. I'm going, what the hell? And we're, like, fighting with the stereo. We put it back on music and goes back to navigation. And then we just, we just turned it off. Anyway... Later on that night, I was, um, yeah, one thing about Luca in that dream was he was really bubbling happy. He was very bubbling happy. Um, I, was, I, I went to bed a little bit earlier, and Luca's in a spot where everyone can see him. You can't get near him, basically, um, without being seen. The cameras are on him. Um, but the movement activated, and he still managed to um, move without that. And I checked on him. I was looking at him, I'm going, geez, because um, people swear the expression on his face changes. Now, I've had so many people tell me that. And I'm looking at him going, geez, he looks extra happy tonight. You know, like real real smirky, like, you know, giggly type of thing. And I went to bed and I'm in bed and I'm barely gone to sleep like 10 minutes later. And next minute I hear my wife sing out to me, did, you know, he's waking me up and said, did you touch Luca? I'm like, no, he's moved. I'm like, oh. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm, I, I honestly thought we were talking about maybe, maybe moved a centimetre or something stupid like that. I get out there and my daughter's, my daughter is the one that actually found him and he's moved his head 90 degrees. Oh, wow. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely huge, huge move. Um, yeah. 
you know, like bloody hell, Luke. So I just, you know, I'm just so used to it. Took took the pictures while I normally do, and I just put him back the way he was. Whether he's going to move again, I don't know. That's to remain to be seen. Yeah. So have you ever thought of perhaps removing Luca from the situation to see if things change? Um, not really, because Luca wasn't with us for for the um, 17 odd years, whatever it was leading up to it, with all the activity, he wasn't even with us. So, very, very unlikely any of it's Luca. Very unlikely. It's just we a, had activity. It's just a weird coincidence that he happens to be a, a possessed or haunted doll, and you have this activity going on in your life. Yeah, yeah, because the activity predates him by about 17 years. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, it, it predates him. Um, it's, it's like like I said before, I don't think he's anything anything bad. Animals love him, um, you know. And I've I've literally walked in and seen a seen one of our cats with him in a bear hug, smooching to his face. Um, <laughs> our dogs dogs love him, you know. It's it's. I don't think there's anything sinister about him. I've I've wondered about it because I've. I did get the recordings near him of that little girl screaming for four minutes straight near him, um, and then the, that uh, the whistle. Um, it was actually that whistle that I recorded twice in one night. I've heard it. I only recorded it twice in one night. Um, it was actually a tune I taught my baby Rosella when I was sixteen, um, and I can't even whistle it as good as what, what whatever whistled that. I can't even do it that good. That's incredible. That's incredible. It, yeah. It's like it has this almost insider knowledge of you and your family. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we, um, uh, we're with with the story, um, I'll get get back to it because that's there's a bit of that related to that. Um, but when we brought we brought brought my wife back up here, um, yeah, that was interesting. We literally got up here and the car started playing up on the way home. It was running really, really bad. And we're at somewhere like, um, I think it was Gunnedah or something we're coming through. And we've got to come to North Brisbane. And the car, by the time I got home, the, literally the car broke down in the driveway. It literally broke down. As I pulled up, it broke down and wouldn't start. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I said to my wife, I've, and I had a hell of a time trying to fix it. I said to my wife, something doesn't want you to go back. Something to, you know... And she said, I'm, I'm going to catch a bus back there or whatever. She wanted to go back to her mother's place in Narromine, basically. Um, this thing still had a hold of her and was still controlling her. There was a bit of a fight going on. This thing was um, still trying to put her in harm's way, basically, and using him to do it as well. And so we got the car. She, she stayed up here for about, um, I think it was about four days or something. We drove, I finally got the car. I had a hell of a time getting this car running. It's, it's never played up since. And we drove down there and on the way down there, I'm literally in the middle of the night, I hit this black mass in the middle of the road. It just formed, formed out of me there and nowhere. Um, and of a shape of person and it just went poof, disappeared. That was, um, at back of my other favorite spot, the Pilica, which I bloody hate. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I sort of took that as something did not want us going down there again. But anyway, I took her back down there and she decided to stay stay at her mum's for a bit longer because she was still half and half. Um, 
And while I was down there, some, something, you know, the this bad thing came out in there and ended up, I ended up coming back to Queensland. I, I came back here and about two days later, the um, the one that bashed her and all that came to the house with friends. I, I, I to this day, think they were looking for me and they took her, basically took her. Really? And she was missing, yeah, held it, basically took her and held her hostage. And at the time, we thought she got into the car willingly. And so so we thought, um, so we just wrote her off once again. We just wrote her off. Now, in this time she was missing, um, we're contacting police, everything. Um, police were informed um, and all the rest of it. And I was talking to detectives that know this nice little chap, whatever you want to call him. I've, I've got other names, but I can't say it on here. Um, and, yeah, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, so she was missing and we couldn't find a trace of her. We couldn't get hold of her. We couldn't get nothing at all. So we'd done the one thing that everyone reckons you shouldn't do. We got a Ouija board. Oh, no. Because <laughs> to yeah, well, to us it didn't matter. We've, I've, I've never touched a Ouija board in my life, nor in my kids, and we've gone through what 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 difference is it going to make? And it didn't make any difference, to be honest. And some of the answers we got from there, um, we used the Ouija board. Some of the answers I've had from there, I've had um, no, they're no good, only evil is one of them. Um, it did tell us where where she basically was. Um, it did say she'll come back home. She'll come back to Queensland. She'll go to hospital, come back to Queensland, and go to jail. That did happen. But the jail part's totally different to what you, th- what you think. Um, it, the hospital happened. The Queensland happened. The jail, we went to Boggo Road Jail um, months afterwards. So <laughs> technically it did happen. But <laughs> yeah. Um, it, and, yeah, finally we asked this thing. We kept asking, what do you want? Basically, and it keeps talking about bloodlines. It's your bloodline, your bloodline, and we're going. Uh, people think these things don't work. Well, it depends on who's using who's using these things and where you're using them at. You know, um, but the, all it does it raves on about. It just kept raving on about our bloodline, and it kept saying, "Do you know what you are? Do you know what you are?" And I'm like, "What?" And it keeps going medium, medium. I'm going, "Yeah, bud, sure, okay." It's saying you're um, medium. Yeah, saying I am, um, which is exactly what um, the head of one of the paranormal groups who, when I first met him, he he had worked with the police on cold cases and everything. And when I met him, I shook his hand. He said to me, you're a medium. I'm going, am I? He said, yeah, you are. I can feel it. You know, I said to him, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not a big believer in any of that sort of I am and I aren't. Oh, it's, it's hard to describe. And yeah, and we. And by this time, um, she was when she was missing. I bought another car because um, I had to sell off my Pontiac, so I needed another car to be able to travel New South Wales. And in this time, I um, had a dream that I was driving at the back of Bathurst with her in the car and together. In, in in this car, I just bought, and I thought, oh, this is just crazy. I woke up, I thought it was true. And it was absolutely crazy. And yeah, that came true when I drove it back from the, um, from the hospital. Yeah. Um, so you, you think you had a, a premonition there? Uh, yeah. 
I, I do. I don't like being called psychic, and I definitely hate being called gifted. I hate it when anyone says they're gifted. I'm going. Oh, that's another show. If, you know, some of the shit I've found over the years and stumbled across over the years and stuff like that. You, you don't want to know about gifted. My, um, yeah, I can't say that. But gifted is not a word I'd use. Yeah. Anyone who says it, yeah, you know, they're full of it. As far as I'm concerned. It's just like um, I'm not a fan of all these social media psychics and all this. They're sitting there bragging about this and this and this. And it's like, yeah, okay, I think you're full of it. Um, you've, uh, I, I don't know if you read those screenshots that I sent you with the dates months before talking about her going to hospital and going to visit the hospital. Um, there's no one leading up to this. Years I talk about heavy, heavy breathing next to me when I'm sleep, keeping me awake. All that came true. Um, but that's sort of further in the story. But yeah. Anyway, she she was missing, um, and we didn't know where to find it. Um, we're really good at tracking this this offender. We could flush him out anywhere, but this time we could not track him. We didn't know where he was, and we sort of gave up hope because we heard that she had um, got in the car willingly. There's there's a lot more to the story that I can sort of let on here. Um, another part again that I haven't even told you about. And so we just gave up hope. It was going on three weeks. She was missing. And I remember I went out one night and I pull up a survey and here's a bloke with a tattoo, pulls up next to me in a tattoo with her last name on his neck. I'm going, oh, it's got to be a coincidence. I'm going, bloody hell. So I jump in the car to go down the shopping centre and then comes on the radio on her favourite song. You know, the song we used to listen to when we first got together. Brian Adams, I'll Do Anything, I think it is. And I'm going, oh, this is just getting beyond bullshit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> then I went to the shopping centre, walk in there, and then there's a song, I, I can't say the song, but it's actually a song with her name in it as the main chorus. And by this stage, I'm going, oh, this is just bloody, it's just getting crazy. So I went home. I was, I've had enough. Um, so, yeah, the next day, like, things were getting pretty bad by this time. We had police looking for him um, to try and find, find her and all the rest. And my, by this time, it was my daughter's oldest, my oldest daughter's birthday. And my son came home. He put a uh, bag on the table right in the middle of a dining table. It weighed about 10 kilos, had a lot of stuff in there. And I'm sitting there with my two daughters in the lounge room and my son, and we're playing, um, they were just playing the Xbox for her birthday, trying to make, take, take the minds off things. And all of a sudden, this heavy bag launched off the table and come crashing down and landed about three to four feet away from the table, right from the middle of the table. And we looked and we, uh, we just looked and gone, yep, yeah, not again. I think it was this thing's way, something in the house was telling me to get, off my ass and do something. So we got got to work working later on that night. We'll think we we thought we exhausted every avenue, every single avenue. Um, anyway, I got an idea. We um, hacked her Google account and then we went into tracking services, and we got really lucky because it wasn't easy to hack. And once we done that. Well, then we then got, um, luckily, it was switched on. We got all the data and could see where she'd been for the last three weeks and where they were currently were now. 
So we straight away, we had his phone number because we found that earlier on in the piece because there's a lot of the story I, I sort of can't tell on here. And we start sending messages. Um, we tracked him, basically, we tracked him to Gabo Sewage Works, um, which is, there's a reason for that. So I only found out if you dump a body in that sewage pit, they can't retrieve it. It's impossible for them to get the body. Um, we also tracked him to a um, place outside of Nara, Wombat Flats. There's all this, which is not far from Belengala, is just interesting. You know, it's, not, it's about probably half hour, 40 minutes from Belengala by the looks of it on the map and all the rest. Um, and from that, we'll be able to tell he's playing the killer. And um, then, yeah, then what happened was she, she would, He'd been holding the hostage um, and then he was travelling. He said he was going to take her home. So he started driving her home. He got probably about, I don't know, a K from her house driving through Narromine. And then she overheard him talking about um, there, were, there was him in the car, his ex-wife, um, two adult daughters, and I'm not sure if there was another person. And she was in the front seat. And they were driving through Narromine, and she heard them talking about playing the killer. They were going to steal her ID, um, collect, oh, oh, wow. collect payments for her. And this is where it comes in, his his cellmate. His cellmate was the one that got caught with that little girl and, that, that, um, and the mother, the one in the, the little girl in the suitcase. That's what he tried to do. This is where he got the ID from, except he, he, he stuffed up. They were going to find – they found their, their bodies. They weren't meant to find hers. Oh they already taken. They already taken a house out in her name um, in Warren. I think it was Dubbo Street in Warren. They were going to head there and stay there. They already. They already started to get stuff in her name. So she overheard it. Now she she's had two knee reconstructions on one knee, and the other knee they opens up and said that we can't do nothing because cartilage so bad. But anyway, she jumped. From, from a moving car doing 60, 60 k's an hour going through town and rain. Really? Yeah, rain. This this is where the incredible strength starts to come in. There's more to come yet. And I, as she jumped out, they can't confirm this to me. Um, I've shown doctors the pictures when I was in hospital. Two have said, I showed her a picture on the neck. Um, well, she, got a, she jumped out. One of them managed to stick a syringe in the neck, basically. Um, and it was as she jumped out. Other than that, she um, no injuries, no nothing. And I was I was up here at, at the time. Um, I was getting prepared to go down there to go to go looking for her. And she rang me up the phone. She could barely breathe, and she's telling me he's planning to come up to kill the kids. He's planning to come up after me and all the rest. I said, yeah, okay. I just told her to settle down. I said said I'll, I'll I'll handle things up here. We were well prepared. When um all this happened I took my daughter down to the farm and I taught her some life skills that to prepare her for any of this. Um I can't sort of go into that uh, what it was, but I'll leave that to your imagination. Um anyway, so she jumped from the car and and she ran and she yeah, she warned us about, about that. Within um, a day, she got a lump on the side of the neck, and and I, I kept nagging her to go to the doctor. To go to the doctor, 
she didn't want to go because she was just so shaken. She didn't want to leave the house. So after your, after your wife escaped the vehicle, did she come back to you? No, she she ran to her mother's house. I was still in Queensland. Okay. Yep, and I was still still in Queensland at the time. Um, and the lump started getting bigger and bigger. I was I was talking to her. I was talking to her on the phone. I'd talked to her, and she she just kept saying it's getting more and more powerful. Powerful. I said, go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. And she did. They put on antibiotics, and then it just within three days, I lost contact with her. Didn't know what happened to her. I later found out the lump got so big that she um, she had to be rushed to hospital. And when she when they when she walked in, she basically collapsed and stopped breathing. Oh wow! Anyway, the lump got bigger and bigger, and I lost contact with her. And she was in Narrowman Hospital. I kept nagging the family, "Where is she? Why haven't I heard nothing? Where is she?" And they wouldn't tell me nothing. Until one of them cracked and told me she's in Dubai test done. And then I later found, found out they took her in for a scan. And when they injected her with a dye, her heart stopped beating again. And this time she was gone for about two to three minutes before they revived her. Oh, wow. Um, at this point, I... I basically went and seen a mate because I had just had no money left at the mate because I was absolutely drained after his trip to Dub Dubbo and I borrowed $150 and I jumped in the car. I just drove. At first, I, you know, at first I was heading for Dubbo, so I started heading out towards Warwick. Three hours in the trip, um, around about the time she died, so it turns out I had a black figure appear in the car next to me and it's absolutely scared the shit out of me because it caught me off guard and I end up swerving and locking the brakes on and skidding into the grass on the side of the road, narrowly missing trees. And after that, I drove for, um, I think it was 16 hours straight on, I think I had 20 minutes of sleep. I stopped for 20 minutes, minutes nap um, because um, I, I rang the Dubbo Base Hospital because no one was telling me nothing, no one. And they, they were frankly ringing around looking for the next of kin because the family said, we'll be the next of kin. And then they literally lived a five-minute walk from the hospital and just didn't give a shit about her. So as soon as I rang them, they made, I told them who I was. They said, you're the next of kin now and all the rest, we're putting you down. I said, yep, okay. And they said, we're going to airlift her. Where did they airlift her to? Um, they, from from um, Dubbo Base Hospital to Concord, the re repatriation hospital there. They they handle um, cases like like hers. This stuff um, basically stuff they they just infectious diseases whatever whatever they they have no idea what's doing it. That's where they send them. And when she got there, did they? Did they find anything unusual about this this lump on her neck? No, they they didn't know what was going on at all. They they didn't have any idea. Um, yeah, what happened? I I drove like after I drove sixteen hours straight. I basically went in there. They went front desk, asked about her, and they said, "Yep, I see you." The intensive care unit. Do you think that this this thing on her neck was? somehow connected to her her possession uh, i 
I don't know. I honestly think she got a syringe stuck in her neck. I've, I've seen, I've got a picture of the punch mark. I just don't know. I don't know about that part. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have a clue. I've never really put much thought into it, but it was huge. They didn't know what it was. And basically I went in there, asked about her and asked for a social worker, asked the senior and I just collapsed because uh, I was just so tired. And she arrived roughly about 10 minutes before I did because oh, I'd been waiting on waiting on, on a bed. And to, to organise a helicopter and make sure she was stable enough. So I basically went in there. She was conscious, pretty normal. And she just said, put me in charge of everything. Everything. Um, and then they basically put her in an induced coma. Now, while she was in this induced, induced coma, um, she was sort of, I don't know, she, she, it's, they had trouble waking her up. And after it, to wake her up, she'd have um, really violent outbursts in there. Like, And then they had to strap her down to the bed. Um, when I was talking about the incredible strength, I'm talking about there was there were more than one instance where we had to pin her down. Um, there was three of us one time and we struggled to pin her down and there was five of us another time and we still had trouble pinning down even though she was strapped down. She, um, I witnessed her single-handedly. Um, a nurse had to get to, to her IV because she'd, be, she'd try, always try to rip her IVs out, always try to rip them out. They had to stitch them in, had to change something. So they had to undo one strap of her arm and the nurse was there. She was asleep. She was out to it. Um, Nothing much was happening. The nurse touched the IV. She grabbed the nurse roughly about where your pants line would be, one-handed, and lift her, literally lifted her off the ground. Oh, my she, goodness. This nurse was pushing her down. All, all the weight. Had all the weight on her. Pushing her down. And she was on her tippy toes, and she started to, to go a bit further than tippy toes. She's lifting. I've seen it. I ran over there, and dived on her arm with all my weight. Like, the only reason I got it down because I hit her with such force to make her arm go down. Um, and we had to restrain her. She'd thrash about kicking and all the rest, but she couldn't talk at this stage because they had put a, put a tube down the throat, so she couldn't say nothing. Um, and this, this went on for nearly... I was in the intensive... Stay at the hospital for six weeks. Um, most, most of that was in intensive care unit as a... Longest stay in the intensive care unit they usually have. They later told me they weren't expecting her to make it. Um, gen- general stay in the intensive care unit, three days. You either go in, get better, or you don't, you come out dead. But I watched her throw these nurses around like rag dolls. I nearly got kicked in the head a couple of times, like, um, because I had to, they can't leave a patient strapped in all the time. You only can do it for so often. I don't know, some law, some whatever. So they can only restrain it partially or not fully for all the time. And I remember walking up to her and she tried to kick me in the head. I pulled my head back and felt the force of the kick go straight past my face. Oh, wow. Yeah, when she, um, when she got out of the hospital, um, when she got past this stage later on, um, she ended up having a trackie. Uh, put in after a while. When I got there, I told her, I said, you're going to need a trackie. You're going to need a trackie. So she was prepared for that. And in this stage, she was alternating between this this 
whatever it was in herself. It was all the night. It was like, like it was a battle going on inside of her. It was just incredible. Um, while I was there, I'd seen about six people die. Seen, um, seen a couple of bodies. It just, yeah. Um, yeah, when, when, when you watch those, um, ER shows and you know how the alarms go off and go running. Yeah. It's the alarm, the alarms aren't like that. They're very soft tone. And you know when they die because they go running and then if that curtain gets drawn, it does get open and they walk, walk away very quietly. You know they're gone. We, we had the crash cart right in front of us. So we know when they grabbed it. Um, yeah. And, after a while, uh, you know, she had nine lots of surgery, um, wasn't expected to make it. She didn't even respond to any medication for over three weeks in the hospital. They didn't know what was wrong with her. I um, found the punch mark on her neck and I showed um, three or four doctors. One one wouldn't comment and the other, the other nurses and doctors said that's a punch mark. But they weren't allowed to state it officially. And there's another reason why he was trying to kill her because when he raped her, she made a complaint. He was looking at ten years jail. He did not. He was going to court, and he did not want to go in the court to testify against him. She was on lockdown on the hospital. Um, you could not bring up about her. She was not. If you even asked about her on the front desk, there was no record of her being there. Only people that knew that you know that could talk to her were me or the police. That was it. Not that the police um, could talk to her with the state she's in. She couldn't talk with the tracking and all the rest. And then after a while, after she got out, if I hadn't left anything out, after the, the incredible strength watching these nurses get thrown around were unbelievable. Then, then she'd switch to herself and have no memory of what just happened at all. There was nothing. So she'd go from throwing the nurses around, absolute violent and all that. They had the sedator and they had the sedation turned up so high to try and knock her out and it wasn't working. Oh, really? They, yeah. And then they just had to strap her down and let her thrash until she virtually passed out or changed or whatever until she came back to normal. When she came back to normal, it, it sometimes it could be just a couple of minutes. I'm going, do you remember what just happened? She says, no, I've been asleep. I don't remember. Like, because, um, well, I, I had a piece of paper on there, um, had a piece of paper there, and she'd write it down for me. She'd, she'd just write it down. Um, yeah. <laughs> Response for such a long time when she was in there. We um, and then she's seen seen the paddles and the crash cart. She and she's she's pointing to it and she's pointing to herself. And I said what? And she wrote down. She said that happened to me. I said no, it didn't, because I never knew about what happened to my base at that time. She said, she said it happened to me. I said no, it had, they didn't use it on you. And then it later came out. Um, when she could talk again after the tracking, um, she said, when I died, she said, um, that I floated above my body. I could... So she had an out of body experience. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, um, not the first time, the second time in the Bay base. And she said, that's what they done to me. She said, I floated. I watched the doctors worked on me. And she said, then I went into a bright light. She said, my grandmother. Um, my grandmother was there and my grandfather. She said, but, but the difference was they were in their 80s when they died and they were only like 32. 
And she said there was a boy and girl there. And she didn't know who they were. Until um, the boy was a bit shy. He was, he was standoffish in the background until the girl ran up to her and cuddled her and called her mum. Oh, wow. And said her name. Um, turns out the two children were the two that we lost, miscarried, and they they would would have been the age they would have been when they were alive and had the names. That's a um that's a really beautiful experience that she got to have there. Yeah. Um basically she said she stayed with them. She said it felt like it felt like for for uh, like just ages she was up there. Ages. So there's like she was there for weeks and then her um grand grandmother said to her she was really close to her grandma, you have to you have to go back. You got to make things um, right with your family. And then she said she remembered being back in a body. Wow. Yeah. And but yeah, that's that's just uh, yeah. That's um, how she how she what she told me to happen. Now um, another thing that happened, you know, she went into the white light. She had been born with a cyst on her brain as a ticking time bomb. Another um, grandmother of hers, many years ago on the father's side, different grandmother, died because the thing just ruptured, killed her instantly while they were dying. We've known about it for um, since 2000. I think they found it in about 2000. We we're supposed to check it every six months, and we didn't want to. We just didn't want to know because it was inoperable. And um, last, before she disappeared, I think we, we finally gave in. We checked it about 12 months before that and it was still there that's the last I think we've seen of it um, when I went to the hospital they all asked me a medical history and I was telling them about the knee reconstructions all the rest of it and I said she's got a cyst on the brain so when they'd done the scans they went looking for the cyst of the brain they couldn't find it you're kidding and we thought I no no I'm not um, we thought they missed it so when she came back um, after she left the hospital I'm jumping ahead again such a complex story we're up in Queensland again. Um, we took her to a regular doctor. So he ordered the scans looking for the cyst in, on the brain. It wasn't there. They couldn't find it. It's gone. That's incredible. They, um, that's that's yeah, they, that's a miracle. Yeah, they have no explanation. It was inoperable. It's not something that goes away. It was like a genetic thing. Um, but it's it's gone. There's no trace of it. And they're at a loss to explain it. Um, after we got it, um, yeah, after she was sort of getting better, and that's when we, we moved to ward for a few days, and that's when she seen the priest and got upset. She was still switching back and forwards there, but she was more herself than she was this other thing. It was slowly fading out again, but going back to normal. So, yeah. how how is your wife doing now? Is she, do you think she's recovered from the... From the possession, do you think she may still be possessed? Is this is this something that you're slowly starting to live with, or is it is it something that you're looking to get help with? Well, I've tried to get help. See, the medical possession profession don't know what's wrong with her, and the other side of it, there are no people in Australia that can help with it. 
you've got a lot of people that claim they can help, but when it comes down to crunch, they don't really know what they're doing. They're not qualified. Have you considered you reaching know? out overseas to see if there's people who I've may tried. be able- Yeah, I've tried. And all I come across are people that want to just want me to pay $600 from and do something over the internet. You know, it's just crazy. They're just all rip-offs and con artists, basically. Yeah. I've, I've approached a church. Um, oh, geez, when I went into church, that was the most funniest thing you'd ever see. I went into church. I had copies on my laptop of everything happened with Luca. And I went to my daughter and we sat down with this priest. And he said, what can I do for you? I said, what do you know about demons? He said to me, he said, I help people fight the inner demons all the time. I said, oh, okay. I said, what about what about um, real demons? He said, what do you mean? And I played videos of some of the captures in the house with Luca and the knocking and being. He went wide as a ghost and he had to leave the room. He was shaken big time. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he was shaking big time. He was blessing the computer and all the rest of it. And he said, I'll bless you if you want. I said, don't you dare. Don't bless <laughs> any of us. Wow. Because at the end of the day, this thing, it it, it will, it will t- retaliate against us. Yeah. It's, it's happened before. It got upset, upset me um, when I brought my old Bible back into the house and my crucifix. It got real upset me. Yeah, um, a bit of hell broke loose with that. That was, um, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, He's, yeah, we've we've tried to get help and all the rest of it. There's, there's just no one who deals with it, let alone believes in it. Um, like I said, the difference between mental illness is, is the incredible strength. When you see him do the incredible strength and they've got no memory of anything that happens and you've got the lead up to activity, um, yeah, especially the flies, I had to say this, you've got a possession. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you, if, if you don't have any of that, good chance you've got mental illness. And that's you know? it's it's a it's a really fair observation as well because there's a lot of things that happen in I guess in these different circumstances, but you've you've had a a lot of quantifiable things of you're ticking off the boxes of what you would expect from a from a possession. And I guess the the I guess the, the superhuman strength is almost the, the final thing that kind of ticks that box for you of this yeah, is a, an it, it, undeniable possession on your behalf. It took over six months for her to learn to walk again because she was so weak. She couldn't walk after getting out of that bed. Six months. She was so weak she couldn't walk. Um, she couldn't walk, you know, like even 20 metres without being puffed. We, I had to literally have her hanging off my shoulder to walk from the car into the shopping centre. And we had to rest several times. And yet she was able to lift nurses up and fling them around like ragdoll. I'm not talking about, you know... We just jumped on her and pinned her down. We were we jumped on her legs and arms, and we were we were lifted. You know, I weigh I I weighed 112 kilos, and she lifted me with ease, jumping on her leg. And some of these other nurses were pretty big girls. They were in the sports, and you know, and the way she flung us around like we were nothing. We struggled to to pin her down and tie her down, and then the drugs to try and get her to to sedate her, and we're full up. They couldn't give her any more. And I asked one of the nurses, I said, what's the go with this? And she said, oh, it's just a reaction to the drugs. I'm going, yeah, okay. Um, I, she's, I, I don't know. But if, if, if these are reactions to the drugs, we should be giving these to our athletes because they really, you know, even to our, our military, the, the shit I've seen with it, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I can't, 
yeah, you, it's it was just unbelievable what what I witnessed, and even even the nurses were were blown away how much strength she had. It was crazy, you know. Um, it's a really fascinating story, Glenn, and you know, I I really do. I want to take a moment to thank you for for sharing it and. The fact that it, it goes over two stories is a real testament to the the life that you've lived, the life that your wife has lived, and I mean these amazing and terrible things that your family has lived through. It's it's such an incredible story. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I haven't even got to the part about the most freakiest thing I've ever seen in the house, and that happened after all this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I do believe we have a little bit of time left, so I reckon we could sneak it in. All right. Um, okay, this is... People often often ask me what's the most freakiest thing ever happened. Forget the flies, the scratching, all, all that stuff and moving objects. I was um, about six months after this happened, I was sitting at the kitchen table. Um, my wife was in, in um, our ensuite getting ready. My daughter was in another room ready to... to, to um, go out anyway my son he said i'm going down the shopping center and i said he walked past me i said yeah no worries i'll catch you later i heard him go out door closed because i had my headphones on i was looking at the computer um you know i could still hear because i don't have my headphones turned up that loud and then i heard the car go and he left not two minutes later he walked back inside and i looked up at him i said i thought you just went out and he just had this blank stare on his face and he didn't answer me. And he walked into the lounge room. Anyway, my wife comes out and says, all right, we're going to go now. I said, yeah, okay. I said, do you want to ask my son if he wants to come? And she said, he's not here. I said, yes, he is. I said, he's just walked past me. I just spoke to him. She's going, no, he's not here. I said, he's in the lounge room. And my daughter came out and said, no, he's not here. I said, I was arguing with him. I said, he just walked. You don't understand. I just spoke to him. Anyway, walked into Landrum. He wasn't there. You're Gone. kidding. And later, later on, <laughs> we walked, later on, we went down to the shopping center and I ran into him and his girlfriend down there. I said to him, did you come home before? He said, no, I've been gone. I've been gone since I said goodbye to you. And I've gone, oh my, you know. Wow. It, yeah. Another, what do you call them? Double gang. What, the double ganger, a, yeah, a and doppelganger, that, that has, yeah, and yeah, it's stuff like that that really, really has you questioning your um, questioning your um, sanity. It it really would. Um, That's the stuff that really plays tricks on your mind, and and it makes you really want to question everything that you experience. Then, yeah, it does. Um, I've, I've like I said, I've gone to the doctor. I've been checked out. I've thought I was going crazy for all this stuff. Um. All the premonitions, you know, like I said, she'd be dead in six months. Yeah, she pretty much was at all. And all this stuff, um, it's been happening to me all my life and some of the stuff that I've stumbled across. Um, yeah, that might be another show one day. Um, some of the stuff that I've seen and predicted and all the rest of it, yeah. Um, I just want to ask you something. Yeah, yeah, go for it. If you don't mind. Would you mind if I posted a couple of the videos, say um, the captures from Luca on your fan page so people can actually see what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely not. What we'll do, mate, is we'll actually include, and if if you don't mind me doing this, is I'll include your, your videos, some of the pictures, 
on the website where we keep your episode. Yeah. So that way, there. Yeah, people- there you go. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Just just do that um, because it'd be a lot easier if they could hear the spirit box and hear the knocks in the night and 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 all all the rest of it. There's a few videos on there. And there's probably going to be some more. You're going to go, what the hell? Um, yeah, when you when you see them to because since this has happened um we 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 sort of go ghost hunts now and collect dvps we figure we've got nothing to lose and we want to get evidence of this stuff because it just sounds so crazy but you know so every now and then we go out and grab the evp or try to and all the rest and yeah and it's just because um i don't know we just figure you know we're going to live with it one way or another so yeah might as well might as well own it. Yeah. yeah, pretty much try and understand. That's it. Well, Glenn, thank you for coming on the show, mate. I really do appreciate it. And I, I know the listeners are going to absolutely have, they're going to have so many questions for you, mate. So um, we'll. Uh, if, if you ever want to, sorry, if you ever want to do a live in a live show, I, I don't know where, I don't know where you're based, whether you need whatever I'll come on there and talk live with you and answer questions I'm quite happy to do it yeah that might be that might be something we can um, definitely look at doing it's um, we'll, we'll definitely keep that in the pipeline I think yeah yeah but um, yeah but thanks for having me anyway and yeah there's there's so much more there's probably another show I could probably talk to you on just the other stuff that I've got on top of this again and in, in the house oh, it's just so much And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.